just to concentrate on. So I wanted to um, concentrate um, on the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, that what he prayed for in verse 24. There's a, the, the fact of the matter is that the desire that fills his heart clearly is the eternal Son of God. So it is an eternal desire, and it's an eternal prayer, and it will go on through eternity. It will never be exhausted. exhausted. So we, we can only just come and, and look at, at one significant, if you like, one small part uh, that, that affects us that Jesus prayed for. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. So we can say it's a, it's a part of that desire that's revealed to us about the Lord Jesus' heart is, is his concern. He has a concern that the glory of God should be published, if you like, should be made known. This is important to God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, that the glory of God, that's, if, if, if we could say that this was his purpose in creating the world. He, he created the world to, to magnify his own glory, being perfect. He, he could do this. And this, if, if you like, the chief, the pinnacle of that creation that took place that we read of in Genesis chapter 1 was the very image of God in man when Adam and Eve were perfect and they walked with God in the garden. So the display of God's glory is, is really my subject in the time that we've got this, this evening. It's, when I say it's important to God, it's what's happened in the fall is that this glory has been taken away from God and put on man. So that the, very, the whole, if you like, selfishness of man uh, in this present fallen world is an attempt to take away glory from God. That was Satan's uh, objective, and he achieved it when Adam and Eve fell. And, but one of the, uh, it does appear a few times through scripture, but particularly in, in Isaiah chapter 40 through, 42, uh, verse 8, God says quite emphatically, in fact, he's, he says it uh, without any equivocation at all, my glory I will not give to another. Hence, the awful wrath of God against sin um, because he will not have his glory removed from the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So our Saviour's prayer is um, to his Father is that this glory would be restored, that they may behold my glory. So as the Lord Jesus faces that last enemy, which is death, this is what's utmost in his mind the glory of God, and that that glory should be displayed, and that his people, those he died for, will see it, will marvel at it, will, and it will be to, if you like, their great advantage, their benefit, their satisfaction, and the blessing of his people, both in this life, because he prays for now, he prays for those in the world though he's leaving, and then forever, eternally, eternally he'll be able to gaze as... David said as I told you this morning at the beauty of the Lord, which is the glory of God. Uh, so this, this is what's in the Saviour's mind. And to, to give us insight into his request, uh, if you like, 
an aspect of the meaning of why he prays like this. I found this illustration, um, well, I said when I found it, it's an illustration that appears in Scripture itself. When you remember when Joseph's in captivity uh, in Egypt, and then eventually when he, he is raised to the prominence in the country and becomes like the prime minister, and he meets his brothers, and he, when he finally reveals himself to his brothers, he gave them explicit instructions as they go back uh, to their father Jacob in Canaan. There's one, in, just as a side, I remember, there's one interesting thing he says when he sends them back. He knows what his brothers of brothers are like, and he says, "Don't fall out on the way." They were always falling out, squabbling, the squabbling brothers. But he gives gives them a really clear instruction. You tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and all that you have seen. This is in Genesis chapter forty-five. Now, clearly, Joseph's not blowing his own trumpet. That's not why he says this. That's not the the issue at all. He knew his father well. He would have known uh, the, the family history, if you like, firsthand uh, before his brothers dispatched him off to Egypt. He, 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 would, have, he would have understood um, Jacob and understood that it would take what it would take to get um, uh, Jacob to leave Canaan. Joseph would have remembered what his father said. The last time he left Canaan, it cost him about 20 years of trouble. He went to, his, to, to Laban, his uncle, and it cost him a lot. It cost him dear. Uh, it cost him trouble. So Joseph's trying to uh, encourage um, his father to go to Egypt. So it would take something significant uh, to entice him away or even to attempt to leave to leave Canaan. And so he says, tell me about my glory. And that's surely part of, of the Saviour's thinking, if you, or motivation, if you like, that we will be prepared to leave this world in all the trouble that we have in our own hearts and our own rule in our lives. When we see the glory of Christ, know that we can, we can eventually be with him in glory. This is... This is this is our objective. The sight of the glory of the Lord is what brings peace, what brings uh, satisfaction, what brings um, uh, quietness to the, to the soul when we see the Saviour, what no doubt you know. It's, if you like, one of the greatest privileges of, of, of us as believers, both in this world, as we say, and then in eternity to behold the, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what does that mean? What does it mean? Um, how is the prayer of our Saviour uh, uh, in John 17 to be fulfilled? I must say, I'm thinking of, of this verse uh, 24. Well, initially, we have to say, we could say that there is. Scripture distinguishes three different ways we can see the glory of God. One is, as John says in his Gospel, when he starts the Gospel in chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. They actually saw the Saviour. They knew what perfection was, moral perfection, spiritual perfection in a man. They, they beheld it. It must have been amazing. It must have been an incredible challenge to the heart. You know when it's like when we 
we meet people that we admire, people that love God and are godly people, and, you, and you, what you can feel like, and wish, wish I was like that. Uh, imagine being in the presence of perfection. The, 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 this is the, the glory that John and the others saw. But of course, it's, uh, we don't see him like that. We can't see him like that anymore. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, in a uh, second letter to the Corinthians, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him no longer like that. The second way we can see the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, of course, will be in heaven itself. Uh, Paul, again, when he writes to Corinth, he says, for we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. We will see the Lord Jesus face to face. We'll see him in all his perfection. And then not only will we see him in his perfection, as John did when Jesus was on the earth, there'll be no imperfection in us either. We will have no misunderstanding about who this is and how, and, and all of his perfection. We too uh, uh, will be like him, he says, because we shall see him as he is. So there is coming a time when we behold the beauty of the Lord with our own, our own eyes, but that, of course, is going to be in heaven. So the third way we can see the Saviour is by faith. And Peter writes, though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory. Because by faith we can see the glory of God. By faith when we come around the table, as, as Richard reminds us, this is not the body of Christ, this is bread, and this is not the blood of Christ, it is wine. But if we partake of him by faith, as we're reminded to do so, by we actually hold communion with our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one uh, that we taste, if you like. So, uh, as it says, taste and see that he is good. So th this, is, this is the third way we, we may see uh, our saviour. Psalmist said, Lord, I've loved your habitation of your, the habitation of your house, the place where your honour and glory dwells. So when we gather, and Jesus has promised to be here, I always think, the first one that comes in, uh, I don't know who was here first tonight, but the moment the second person came in, Jesus was here. Because where two or three are gathered in his name, there I am in the midst, he says. He walked in, if you like, in that sense. I know it's figuratively. Jesus was here in his spirit. And the psalm says, that's where your honour and glory dwells. So while we're in the world, we walk by faith and not sight. And the object of our faith, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ and his glory. So although, as Paul puts it, we see through a mirror dimly, we do see. We do see. We can see. We can see what the world can't see. And it, and it says also, we only know in part. But we do know, even though it's only in part, we do know the Lord Jesus. We can see the Saviour by faith, especially, of course, in his word. The scripture um, assures us that... Um, that, that this is by the grace of God. If you could say that, that the only preparation for seeing the glory of God is grace. There is another way. You couldn't buy your way into this. There is nothing you could do to achieve it. It's grace. It's a gift of God. It's what the Saviour has, has uh, prepared when he went to the cross. The scriptures assure us that the natural man uh, cannot behold the glory of God. It says the natural man doesn't receive such things. 
He doesn't receive the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. Because they're, Paul says, because they're spiritually discerned. Therefore, the unbelievers have no time for the glory of God. They only consider their own glory. And even if, even if unbelievers uh, do, for some reason, come under the sound of the gospel, maybe, while they stay, without grace, while they stay like that, they have no interest in the glory of God. They have no, they see nothing attractive uh, in Christ. Isaiah says he has no form or comeliness. And when unbelievers see him, he says, there is no beauty that they should desire him. But this is our privilege. As I was saying something about this morning, our desire is to be with the Saviour. Our, our longing is, is to see him. Um, this is the blessing and privilege of, of um, those who love the Lord in truth to testify to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the writer of Hebrew says, we see Jesus. That's what we do. We see Jesus, especially when we read him in his, his word. Now I know that there's a sense in which this, this is a vast subject and I'm only just picking one expression in, in one verse. And to study that to the, the, the chapter uh, would be a blessing but uh, not beyond me if you like beyond, beyond my capability or the, any time that we might have uh, so I want to concentrate on, on how to look at the saviour and see his glory uh, particularly in the light of coming round the Lord's table and that hymn we sang as we started before I came up here. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea. We, we have a high priest. Uh, and, and this, in one sense, is, is, is our subject. This is how we, we see uh, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to put it like this. First of all, negatively... Um, this world will tend to think of glory uh, uh, in the way, when it comes to people, in the way of dignitaries or celebrities, their wealth and their position and that sort of glory. That is what men look to. That's what the media is full of. Uh, the, this glory that the world seeks, um, the adulation uh, of, of, of the media uh, is... is, is what they would call glories. Look at the glory of, of pop stars, of sports um, giants, if you like. Uh, the world is full of it. They have the, 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 the beginning, you tell I'm not a soccer fan, but the beginning of, of the season of football, which hardly seem to end anyway, is, is trumpeted. This is, this, is, this is what we all live for. It's, it's incredible. This is, if you like, the religion of our age. That's the glory they look at. And they make a tremendous song and dance about it. But Jesus made himself of no reputation. He came in the form of a servant. He took up an occupation as a carpenter and even as a preacher when he was of some note amongst his peers among, in his local society in, in Israel. As a rabbi, he would have some, some significance but even then, he had nowhere to lay his head. He had nothing. He was, he was poor, really poor. 
nor was his glory, if you like, the, the glory of, of, of a handsome man. The other thing, the media is full of beautiful people, isn't it? And the beautiful people that we're all supposed to emulate. Um, but of Jesus we read, there is no beauty or majesty to attract to him. That's what Isaiah 53 tells us. Jesus, the, the Lord of heaven, who's worshipped by an innumerable company of angels, the only begotten and beloved Son of God, the Father, left all of glory and he came to this earth and he took himself human flesh. He, he, but even, and he didn't, he didn't take human flesh like Adam and Eve had before the fall, which you think, well, he might have done that, come as the perfect man. We know he didn't do that because we read he, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. So even in his, in his body, if you like, had all the infirmity that results from sin, not his own sin, but just by being born into a fallen world. So he, he was weary. Um, uh, he, 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 he fell asleep, for instance, in the boat, didn't he? And uh, he'd been working so hard. Um, it's, it's, this is human nature. This is, this is what we're like, and that's what the sort of body the Son of God, the eternal Son, Son of God took. When he, when he came into this world. Not only that, he came as a servant. The one who was the king of kings in heaven had a multitude of angels to do his bidding, came as a servant. Now that's his glory. That's his glory to lay aside that sort of power and take upon himself the likeness of sinful flesh on our behalf. On our behalf. That's the glory I want anyway to draw our attention to. He came to die a most painful and shameful death. He came to say, save the very people who he did come to save rejected him. He came to his own and they wouldn't receive him at all. Well, he went about doing good. He went about healing the sick, re reviving the dead, casting out demons, fed the hungry, graciously offered salvation to all those uh, he met in, in Galilee and Judea, yet they rejected him. And when the religious leaders of the day had Jesus, if you like, in their power, uh, in what was really a kangaroo court situation and demanded his death, at that point, not even his friends stood with him. So he spent three years teaching these, these men and the ladies that accompanied them, and they failed him in his crucial hour. And yet this is what it says about him. He loved them to the end. That's his glory. The glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. People like us, you don't know why. You try and fathom it sometimes. People like us, if you know anything about your own heart, people like us are loved by the Lord Jesus. And he loved them to the end, even though they let him down so terribly. And finally, the, the mob got its way as they were baying for his blood. He's unjustly crucified, an innocent man, and he dies a shameful and painful death of a criminal. Now we know from scripture that the wages of sin is death, but Jesus never sinned. Uh, having lived a perfect life, because we know at one point he challenged his Pharisees, his enemies, uh, to, to find a fault in him, and they couldn't do it. Not even the Roman governor, who had all the power uh, in the world as far as human um, powers are concerned. He said he couldn't find any fault in him, so he dies. 
he submits himself willingly to death, to the wages of sin. No one took his life. We always like to, we must always emphasise. No one took the life of our Saviour. He gave it. He offered himself. It says he offered himself um, to God through the Spirit. He gave it. This is the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to draw our attention to his work that the Father asked. This work that the Father asked him to do. Uh, as a man, to Jesus as a man, because this is another thing I think we, we can forget if we're not careful, because we know he was the son of God. But as a man, it was terrifying what he, could, what he had to face. That description of him in Gethsemane uh, is, is um, it's true, it's, it's an accurate description. Um, he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. This is a perfect man, as far as spiritual life and relationship with God is concerned and the law of God. He's never sinned. So he has no, in that sense, death has no dominion over him at all. But he's going to submit himself. And it's a terrifying experience. Um, so we read in Luke, My father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. This was a terrifying thin thing for even uh, the incarnate God to, to face as a man. So we see his glory when he carried on and did it. So as I read this morning, he became the propitiation for our sins. He took our, our just judgment. He took away the wrath of God from us and took it upon himself. He bore the punishment for our sins. The just wrath of the Father fell upon him. And so he had to cry when it happened. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This, this is the glory of God. Uh, the glory of God that we've remembered tonight as we came round the table. If we like, this is the length to which the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were prepared to go to save us from our sins. Greater love is no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Finally, we see the glory of the Saviour as the Father raises him from the dead. Finally, he's, if you like, justified in all that he said and did uh, when he was with his friends. And the, and the father raises him, uh, and he has life. And he has life. He said, the father has given me to have life in myself, and he had life. And so Paul writes when he, when Paul's describing this in um, that wonderful passage, those uh, verse, about, well, verse 3 to 14 of, of Ephesians chapter 1 it's a glorious description of what the Lord Jesus has done and it says in part of that it says that God the Father exalts him to his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but in that which is to come Jesus now as we sang in the hymn stands at the Father's side in glory. He is our advocate there. He pleads our... All this prayer, I'm sure this is what he will be saying before the Father, uh, because he'll be praying for those who are still still in this world. I know this is difficult to get your mind around 
he's in eternity and we're in time. But nevertheless, he's there. It does tell us that he is our advocate. Um, he has entered into heaven, a heaven, not, not a temple made with hands. This, his is the real sacrifice, acceptable to his, acceptable to his father. And Jesus has defeated sin, Satan and death. He's victorious. He sits on the throne of heaven. This is his glory. I hope that you know this. This is what we're to know. Because there has to be... Um, this is a truth, if you like, I've tried to briefly explain. But it's a truth that we need to experience. As I said this morning, it's, it's not enough to know about Christ, about God. You need to know him. You need to know him personally. You need to know, you need to see then, I should say, um, this, the glory of our Saviour. So the question has to be, have your eyes been opened uh, to see his true beauty? Is yours a life of faith uh, in the one who is so glorious? Has he raised you to sit with him in the heavenly realm? Now, what I'm thinking is, no doubt, some of you, if not all of you, have seen the glory of the Saviour. And it will amaze you if you have. You have to say it's amazing. We often sing hymns with amazing, don't we? Um, and it amazes me, uh, one of our hymns, uh, one of our songs says. And one taste will mean that you'll want more. Think of, I think I, when I wrote that, I thought of Moses. Moses had seen the glory of God in, in the burning bush he'd seen what god god can do god is fire uh, but the fire is not destructive so is the bush is on fire but it's not being burned sorry um it, 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 and and then moses saw the glory of god as he brought those plagues on egypt when pharaoh wouldn't let his people go um he he saw the glory of god and when he parted the red sea and his people went through and the, Is and the Egyptians were all destroyed. He, he, he'd con on a number of occasions he'd seen how marvellous God is in his action toward his people. And when he prays when they're in trouble, what does he pray? Please show me your glory. Once you've seen the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not one scene. It is, I should say, one scene never forgotten. But it is also... A desire is placed when you see the glory of God to go on to see. So when we learn, when we see this and when we learn to pray like our Saviour did, pray, this will be a prayer uh, that, that pleases our Father. We, so I pray that our desires, our wishes, will coincide with those of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this is, this is his desire that we should see his glory. May we be able to see how wonderful it is that the eternal Son of God should go through just the things I've briefly outlined in order that, that, that we might see his glory. His glory. And that, <clears throat> you see, and if there was time, we could, we could um, go through some of the verses at the end, but at least look at the last verse, because you say to yourself, what's the objective? We know part of the objective is that we should see his glory, but what does that mean? And what's the objective for us? What, does, what is Christ looking for? What does the Father want? Um, 
in verse 26 it says, I made known to them your name and will continue to make it known, even though he's leaving, because the Spirit will come and he will teach us of the things of Christ. I've made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The amazing thing is, when we see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, he makes us like himself. So when um, Paul wrote to Corinth, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, he, he wrote this, And we all, with unveil unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, that's what I've been trying to speak about, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Our Saviour wants us to see his glory because he wants us to make him, us like himself. That's his objective. That's the, in other words, you could say he wants to fit us for heaven. If I got to heaven like this, I don't know what would happen. God wants me to be ready when I go to heaven. And I'll be free from all the, 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 that is me by nature, if you like. I will be I'm being changed now, it says, from glory to glory. But I will be changed. Uh, and we, our Lord Jesus Christ will have achieved his objective. It says, it says in, um, towards the end of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter uh, 53, uh, he shall see the travail, the work of his soul, that's the Lord Jesus, he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. He'll be happy with the work when we're like him. He'll be happy with the work when we not only see him by faith and the glory that he is now in this world, but when we reach heaven and can spend it, it, eternity with him. Uh, so I thought we would close with 366. The song, Jesus is King, it speaks of our Saviour going in through, that, through the curtain to achieve uh, this, his objective, uh, to make us like himself. Jesus is King and I will explore him.